to the book of uh, Leviticus. If you haven't been with us for the last few weeks, we did the first uh, five sacrifices in the book of Leviticus that took us through about the first uh, seven, eight chapters. Now, we're jumping ahead Leviticus 16 because a lot of the stuff in between Leviticus 16 deals with uh, dietary or physical uh, laws. And we really want to get to the symbolism here in the book of Leviticus of what these different feasts and sacrifices means. And so Leviticus 16 is all about the Day of Atonement, uh, Yom Kippur, that usually happens in the fall. September, October, uh, most holy day in the Jewish calendar here, one of the most holy days, right after Passover. And so you get to find out what the Day of Atonement is. Now, if you have not been with us for any of these studies so far about what the different sacrifices mean in Leviticus, what we do is we go through, we talk about the factual side of everything. What is just the plain thing that God is telling them to do? Then the second half of the lesson, we go back and we talk about all the symbolism and how it relates to us in Christ. So, first part of this is just the facts. The second part of this is the symbolism of what it means. So with that being said, let's jump right into this. Uh, Leviticus chapter 16. Let's go ahead and start right here in verse 2. And it says, The Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron your brother not to come at just any time into the holy place inside the veil before the mercy seat which is on the ark, lest he die. For I will appear in the cloud above the mercy seat. Now just real quick. God says you can't go into the Holy of Holies anytime you want. The Holy of Holies was the most holy place. It's where God dwelled in the Old Testament. It's where the Ark of the Covenant was. And so one day a year, they were allowed to go into this Holy of Holies. It was around September or October, depending on the calendar. And they were only allowed to go in one day a year to do this sacrifice. This is big. This is very big. Verse 3, thus Aaron shall come into the holy place. He'll bring a young bull with him. He'll bring a ram with him. And he's got to change his clothes. Verse 4, he shall put on holy linen tunic and linen trousers are on his body. He shall be girded with a linen sash and with a linen turban he shall be attired. Zach, if you want to go ahead and put that uh, PowerPoint up. I've got some pictures here that I want to kind of show you of some of these things. It says in verse 4, these are the holy garments. And these are the different things that he had to wear. That's what the high priest typically wore. This is an actual picture of Aaron taken by Moses. And these are the clothes that he actually wore. Go to the next slide, if you will, Zach. That's what they wore on the Day of Atonement. Flip back to the other one, Zach. Other one, by the way. There you go. Look how nice it is. Gold, all the jewels you got there, everything going on. Flip to the other one. Day of Atonement is just white and go one more. And right there is kind of a comparison between them of how they would look. Typical day on the right, day of atonement on the left. You can go ahead and keep that up, Zach. We're going to go to some more pictures here. So you can just get an idea of what they were wearing. They changed their clothes from their regular priest attire on the right to day of atonement stuff on the left. So clothes change. They bring a bull for a sin offering. They bring a ram for a burn offering. Verse 5. And he shall take from the congregation of the children of Israel two kids of the goats as a sin offering and one ram as a burnt offering. So now he's also got two goats that he's going to use. Now this one goat, he's going to be used as something called the scapegoat. You can go ahead and look at verse 8. Then Aaron shall cast lots for the two goats, one lot for the Lord and the other lot for the scapegoat. And Aaron shall bring the goat on which the Lord's lot fell and offer it as a sin offering. But the goat on which the lot fell to be the scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord to make atonement upon it and to go as the scapegoat into the wilderness. So these two goats also come. So you got one bull, one ram. The bull is a sin offering. The ram is a burnt offering. And two goats. And they cast lots. One goat gets sacrificed. The other goat gets let loose into the wilderness. So that's the idea of the goats there. Let's go on here. Verses 12 through 13. Incense is a big deal. Zach, go ahead and go to the next slide there. 
Verse 12, Then he shall take a censer full of burning coals of fire from the altar before the Lord, with his hands full of sweet incense, beaten fine, and bring it inside the veil. And he shall put the incense on the fire before the Lord, and the cloud of incense may cover the mercy seat that is on the testimony after he dies. So right there you have a picture. They bring this incense in, and they're actually in the Holy of Holies here at this time. You can see, it's kind of tough to see on this picture, behind him is the veil. And so he's actually in the Holy of Holies, and he takes some of this incense, and he puts it right in front of the mercy seat, which is the Ark of the Covenant, and he's offering this incense up to the Lord. Go to the next one, Zach. That is kind of what a model of the uh, altar of incense looked like. You can see the veil back there to the right, the red and stripes there. That sat outside the Holy of Holies on a typical basis. So what he would do on the Day of Atonement is he would get a little bit of those incense and actually take that into the Holy of Holies, and then he would go ahead and put that right in front of the Ark then, and that would cover the entire uh, mercy seat that's going on there, the Ark of the Covenant. Let's go on and see what happens here. Verse 14, he sacrifices the animal, takes the blood, he puts the blood on the actual mercy seat. One more slide there, Zach. He puts the blood on the mercy seat and sprinkles it seven times. That's a rough guess of what the Ark of the Covenant looks like. Technically, the mercy seat is the thing on top. It would be the two cherubim there with their wings spread over. That would be the mercy seat. So blood is going to be sprinkled on that and spread on that. Verse 15, the goat is killed. And he does this, verse 17, all by himself. There shall be no man in the tabernacle of meeting when he goes in to make atonement in the holy place until he comes out, that he make atonement for himself, for his household, and for all the assembly of Israel. It's important to note this day of atonement was the one day a year where God says, I'm taking care of everybody. Everybody's sins is going to be taken care of on the day of atonement. Verse 17, himself, the high priest, his household, and for the entire nation of Israel. So he offers that sacrifice. Then once he gets done, he comes out. Verses 21 and 22, the goat gets released. Verse 21, Aaron shall lay both his hands on the head of the live goat, confess over it all the iniquities of the children of Israel and all their transgressions concerning all their sins, putting them on the head of the goat, and shall send it away into the wilderness by the hand of a suitable man. The goat shall bear on itself all their iniquities to an uninhabited land, and he shall release the goat into the wilderness. So the one goat gets killed. The other goat gets sent out. It's called the scapegoat. Verse 23, he then changes back into his regular priest's clothes. Verse 24, he then offers the final sacrifice, the ram, for himself. And then verses 26 and on, they have to bathe in water. The person that took care of the goat has to be bathed in water too. And then you can see in verse 29 the actual terminology here of when it's going to be. This shall be a statute forever for you in the seventh month, on the tenth day of the month. You shall afflict your souls and do not work at all, whether native of your own country or a stranger who dwells among you. For on that day the priest shall make atonement for you. Hence the day of atonement. So, Zach, you can go ahead and turn the PowerPoint off here. So, what you have here, very simply put, high priest. Now, it has to be the high priest. High priest is the guy that comes. High priest had to be a descendant of Aaron. So, tribe of Levi, physical descendant of Aaron. And so, therefore, the high priest comes in, September or October, brings a bull and a ram. Offers the bull as a sin offering. Later on at the end, he offers the ram as a burnt offering. He changes his clothes out of his priestly clothes into the linen clothes. He grabs two goats. One goat gets sacrificed. The other goat gets set free after all the sins have been placed on it. He brings incense in into the Holy of Holies. Uh, blood is sprinkled on the actual mercy seat. It's actually sprinkled right there on the Ark of the Covenant. He does this all by himself. The goat is released, he comes back, he changes his clothes, they wash, they offer some more burnt offerings, and that is the Day of Atonement. Now, not talking about the symbolism yet. 
We're going to get to that right now. Does anybody have any quick questions, comments about the actual Day of Atonement, what they actually did? So pretty straightforward there of what God wanted done. Now's the fun part. How in the world does this represent Christ and us? Some of it's pretty obvious. Some of it is a little more interesting. Turn you to Philippians chapter 2. Let's just kind of break some of these down and say, okay, God, what are you trying to say here? Because if you remember in our study on Leviticus, Leviticus has the most recorded words of God of any book in the entire Bible. So God went into painstaking detail to go through all this. He, he wanted all these things to be represented. Hey, this is very important to him. Can you imagine living back during Old Testament times, and on the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, this day comes around, and you have to do all this? Okay, Lord, what does all this mean? What does all this represent? Well, they didn't know. Now we get to see the full picture. So Philippians 2. Let's talk about the change of clothes first. To me, doesn't it seem backwards? Don't you think the high priest should have wore the linen clothes all day, every day, and then on the Day of Atonement he should put his nice clothes on? Isn't that kind of the way we do things around today? You go to church on Sunday, you're supposed to dress up or something like that, right? You're going someplace nice, you dress up, whatever it is. Well, they did it backwards. On the most holy day of the year, they actually dressed down. Well, that's a picture of Christ. Look at Philippians 2, 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, coming in the likeness of men, and being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. The changing of the clothes represents Christ humbling himself. He, he stepped out of his holy attire as God and came down in the form of man. So when the priest stepped out of his priestly garb, if you will, and put on the linen clothes, it's a picture of Christ coming down out of heaven and humbling himself to be part of us. So that's the first thing you see here with the Day of Atonement. It's a picture of Christ humbling himself and becoming part of us. Now the next one, let's talk about the goats. This idea of the scapegoat. We use that term a lot. Well, the scapegoat is a picture of our sin. See, our sin was killed and crucified on the cross, hence the one goat is dead, but then our sin is completely taken care of and completely pushed away to the point of it's not even around anymore. And that's a picture of this. Just a couple of verses I want to share with you here concerning this. Uh, first one's out of the book of Hebrews. You don't need to turn there. It's Hebrews chapter 8, verse 12. If you're taking notes, Hebrews 8, verse 12. And it says, For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds. I will remember no more. And one more here, Hebrews 10, 17. Then he adds their sins and their lawless deeds. I will remember no more. And one more for fun, Psalm 103, verse 12. Psalm 103, verse 12 says, Your sins are as far as the east is from the west. They're blotted out. See, that scapegoat represents your sins disappearing. Can you imagine being back there on the Day of Atonement and you see this goat disappearing off into the wilderness? What a beautiful picture of your past life and your sin disappearing. See, here's the problem, though, nowadays, today, is Christ says, I want to forgive you of your sins. We say, great, I'll take it. And so the one goat sacrificed. Our sins are taken care of on the cross. But then we have this scapegoat where God says, no, I want to remember your sins no more. I want to push your sins so far away that your sin is not remembered in the eyes of God anymore. You know what we do with the scapegoat, though? Instead of us putting our hands on the scapegoat and letting it run out in the wilderness, how many of you keep your goat real close to you? And you want constant reminders of everything you've ever done in your life that's wrong. You shouldn't have done this. You shouldn't have done that. Why did I get involved with him? Why did I get involved with her? Why did I say that? Why? And you keep your scapegoat so close to you. I don't know how many times I've said in counseling, God's forgiven you. You need to forgive yourself. You need to let the scapegoat go. 
You need to let them go. But yet we hang on to that second goat and we carry the scarlet letter of sin around for the rest of our lives and we never let go of the fact of I've done wrong. Of course you've done wrong. God knows you've done wrong. You're not surprising Him. He died for that sin. And He says, now that I've, I've died for that sin, I want you to be free from that. Let the goat go. Let it go. But yet we hang on to that second goat and we never let our sin go. And God says, you're forgiven you're forgotten. Boy, that scapegoat is a beautiful picture of your past life being gone, and you're now a new creation in Christ Jesus. Beautiful picture. Now, what about the blood? Obviously, the blood's a picture of Christ and his death on the cross. Give credit where credit's due. The one um, here where it talks about the blood being sprinkled seven times. I think someone asked a question about that when we did sin offering a few weeks ago. Seven times, and we talked about how seven represents completion in the Bible. Uh, John Corson brings in an interesting point, and if you want to take it or leave it, it's your choice there. He says that seven sprinkling of blood refers to the seven wounds that Christ had on his body. The seven wounds. You know, if you look at the uh, holes in the feet, the holes in the wrist, crown of thorns, the back, and his, his side being pierced. John Corson says the seven wounds represents the seven sprinkling of blood. I don't know. It could be. I think that's kind of an interesting point there, something to kind of uh, uh, throw out there and kind of look at that. Now, the incense. Incense in the Bible always represents what? Prayer. So on the Day of Atonement, when that mercy seat, that Ark of the Covenant was completely covered in incense, it's supposed to show that our lives are supposed to be completely covered in prayer. But now look at that, look at it from this perspective. From an Old Testament perspective, let's say that you do not know anything about Jehovah, God, uh, Judaism, whatever. And so you, you come into this, this Jewish religion and you say something about you know, knowing your God. Yes, yes, I'd like to know your God. Well, how do I know your God? Well, you, you need to be um, a priest. Okay, well, fine, I'll be a priest. Well, you can't be a priest. You've got to be a, you know, a Levite to be a priest. Oh, okay. Well, let's say I'm a Levite then. I want to know your God. Well, you know, if you really want real relationship with God, you can't just be a Levite. You've got to be a priest. Okay, well, I'll be a priest. Well, you also got to be a descendant of Aaron. Well, okay, I'll be a descendant of Aaron. Well, you also got to be the oldest person of the descendant of Aaron to be the high priest, to go into the Holy of Holies. So one guy, one day of year for just a few hours, very specific, had communion with God. I, I can't stress to you enough. Do you realize how strange that is? One man, for a very short period of time, one day out of year, actually got to be in the presence of God. See, Nowadays, Hebrews 4.16 says we can boldly go to the throne of grace. Do you realize how many times have we prayed already here tonight? You know, you know, we prayed for the prayer request. We prayed over DAC. We're going to pray here at the end. We're going to pray during communion. How many times are we going to boldly go to the throne of grace? We're going to keep going. And I hope when you go home tonight, I hope you boldly go to the throne of grace. I hope before you get in your car and you're driving home, you pray for safety boldly before the throne of grace. Though That incense represents your prayers being lifted up to the Lord. It's a sweet aroma to God. God loves to hear you. Loves to hear you. Yesterday, I was out here at church working. Phone rang and answer it, and it's Elias. Elias called to read me a story that he wrote about Super Elias. So he reads me the story. Sounds, sounds good. Get off the phone with Elias. A few minutes later, Judah calls. Judah wants to tell me something, too. That sounds great. Next time, Kenan calls. Now, as a father, my kids can call me anytime I want, and I absolutely love it. I'll listen to whatever I have to say. Isn't that the same way with God the Father? He loves that incense, He loves your prayers. And so when that, that Holy of Holies is completely filled with that incense of God, that's God's way of saying, talk to me. So often I have Christians come up and say, why pray? Well, number one, pray because God likes it. He really likes to hear from his kids. And so the Day of Atonement was that one day where man could approach God freely. Boy, guys, we take that for granted a lot. 
You can approach God anytime you want. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast your cares upon him because he cares for you. Boy, guys, let's boldly go before the throne of a grace. Let's have our day of atonement right now where we can go before God anytime we want because of who he is. He died so we could have access to him. Hence, when he died, the veil was broken, was ripped to show we have access to God. Let's move on here. Verse uh, 17 talks about, once again, the high priest doing this all by himself. Well, that's a picture of Christ. Christ died alone. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Christ was all alone. Yes, there were people around him, but he was alone, spiritually taking your sin and my sin upon his shoulders, and he did it by himself. So when the high priest of the Day of Atonement all by himself, alone, Christ says, I'm doing this all by myself. I'm doing it alone. Here's a point that we've talked about last week, verse 27. When they're done with the bull for the sin offering and the goat for the sin offering, they have to take the carcass outside the camp, if you remember correctly about that. We said according to Hebrews 13, that's a picture of Christ dying outside of Jerusalem. He died outside of Jerusalem, and the Bible says in Hebrews 13 that he went outside the camp. So this Day of Atonement is a picture of Christ. Humbled, changing of the clothes, scapegoat, our sin being totally pushed off, forgiven, forgotten, the blood representing Christ's sacrifice on the cross, the incense representing our prayers. Now we have direct access to God and prayer anytime we want. Christ did this all alone, though, just like the high priest did it all alone. And then just as the offerings were taken outside of the camp, so was Christ offered outside Jerusalem for your sin and my sin. So when you see this atonement that Jesus did, you see the Day of Atonement put into action. Once again, these things in the Old Testament, the Bible makes it abundantly clear, these things in the Old Testament are all a picture of Jesus. These sacrifices just aren't put there for, for no reason. These sacrifices are put there as a reason and a purpose to show us it is a picture of Christ. The burn offering, the trespass offering, you know, the sin offering, we can go on and on. Those first five offerings all represented Christ. The Day of Atonement represents Christ. So, with this being said, just one more time, go back in time to the Old Testament. That's your relationship with God. One guy, one day a year, went in for a couple hours into the Holy of Holies, sprinkled some blood on the mercy seat, a goat got let loose, and that's your relationship with the Lord. So when someone says how much they would love to go back in time, I don't want to go back to that. I love being able to go to my God and Father anytime I want in prayer. I love being able to crawl up on the Father's knee anytime I want and give him my burdens and concerns because I can boldly go through the throne of grace. I'm thankful that Jesus humbled himself, took care of the sacrifice, and his blood was spread on the ark for us be able to have sacrifice of sins. I am thankful that the Day of Atonement happened, but I am more thankful that Christ is our atoning sacrifice. And as now that he is the atoning sacrifice, I'm really happy that goat runs off into the wilderness. I don't have to carry those past burdens of things I've done wrong. The scapegoat is let loose, and with that scapegoat being let loose, I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. What we want to do here tonight is we wanted to finish with communion. Because I believe on a lesson like this, it's important to go back and then have that time to really look at what communion is. That picture of Christ, his body being sacrificed for us, his blood being shed for us. He is the atoning sacrifice, the Bible says. It's important to see that. It's important to know that. It's important to understand that. I don't know where you're at here tonight. You know, if number one, if you don't know Christ as your Savior... 
I encourage you, number one, to, to come to this understanding and realization that Jesus died for your sins. Your sins have to be dealt with. And just as in the Day of Atonement, that sacrifice had to be offered just to cover the sins. It didn't take away the sins, it just covered them. It was a picture of Christ coming that completely take care of it. And I hope tonight that you want your sins completely taken care of. Number two, maybe you're born again and saved. What goat do you have hooked to you? How many of us carry that scapegoat around for the rest of our lives of things we've done wrong, things we should have done different? Boy, guys, God loves you, he forgives you, and he says, I will remember their sins no more. Let the goat loose tonight. If nothing else, let it go so it can run away and you can be set free, set free from that past. You're a new creation in Christ. That's a beautiful, beautiful picture. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing, and I, and I hope you see that and you understand that. Now, before we let the kids come in here, does anybody have any quick questions, comments about Day of Atonement here before we move on with the rest of this? Yeah, Jody. Everything just covered the sin. That's why they had to do the Day of Atonement every year. According to Hebrews 9, 10, and 11, the sacrifices could still only cover